29 AD, there was one about to change the world. Fully man, fully God, Jesus. Next to him was a friend who witnessed everything. He saw early miracles. He sat at his right hand. His own eyes saw Jesus transfigured. The very heart of Christ was poured out to him, and he was there at the cross on the day history was altered. These are the words and the story of John. A few weeks ago, my mom came into town, and uh, I love my mom uh, to some level, and uh, we, we get along sometimes and sometimes we don't. But one of the things my mom asked me to do years ago was to be the executor of her estate. Uh, not a glamorous job, just to be clear. Um, and so when she dies, I got to deal with all the issues of that with my brothers and sisters. I'm not looking forward to that. So we've got a financial planner that works with her every year to help make sure all that stuff's in order. And we go visit him uh, every year a couple times. And she, when she came into town a couple weeks ago, we did that again. And I remember sitting there and I started vocalizing some frustration I had with one of my brothers to the planner and to her, but more to her and saying, you need to get my brother under control. You need to reel him in because uh, if something happens to you, I don't want to deal with this particular issue. And uh, went home, didn't think anything. And I actually felt pretty good about myself. I thought that was good. I got that thing nailed down. That'll get cleaned up. That's good. And then I started reading John 12 and praying and saying, God, help me see something new. And I do this every week, you guys. I sit down with the text and I ask God to show me something new and not theologically, but something new about me. And so I'm asking him, Lord, show me something. And then I started reading about Judas and seeing how he was acting. And I read this, I'm reading this thing about dying as a seed and all this. And I started feeling some anxiety. And I'm like, where's all this anxiety coming from? And then I just started thinking about Judas and what he did to Mary and how he treated Jesus. And it really started to bother me. I mean, I was disgusted by that man. I'm like, man, that's the most disgusting behavior. And then I just simply heard in my voice this question. What selfish ambition are you hiding? And I just sat there and I thought, wow. So is that what I'm supposed to learn tonight, God? And he's like, yep. And in that moment, what he puts together was Judas's selfish ambition and the way I was fearing my brother. Let me connect the dots. The fear I was having about my brother was my selfishness saying, don't touch my money. Don't touch my money. I worked hard for this. Don't touch my money. And whatever my mom gives me, you're not touching my money. And I could feel that in me, and I was hiding it behind this righteous positioning I was taking. And God could see that in me. And his message to me is, you're selfish, Bill. And money is not a place where you're unselfish. And I always, when people said, are you greedy or selfish with money? I always said, no, no, I'm good there, man. I'm good with money. I give a lot away. And I always felt like I was until that moment. And God forced me to look at myself and say, all I had to do was make the number big enough and you'd crack. And I cracked. So guys, instead of analyzing John 12, verse by verse, piece by piece, and looking at the, the theology and applying, I really like to just focus on one thing tonight, and that's selfishness. 
My prayer tonight is that you'll be motivated to explore this vast amount of time and effort that we all spend on ourselves, and continue to grow in your ability to think of others before you think of yourself. That's what I'm praying that you'll explore with me tonight. Let's get started with prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask that you lead us and guide us through this time. Lord, this is a tough topic. It just feels uncomfortable. It's not all that fun to kick the year off with this. But Lord, it's what you put here in front of me and on my heart. So help me. Help me get out of the way. Help these guys not get stuck on my goofiness and my stories or the way I speak. Holy Spirit, work through me in some way where these guys really do hear you instead of me. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Here's where we're going. First, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about selfishness. Second, I'm going to describe some of its consequences. Third, I'm going to describe five ways it shows up in your life. Fourth, I'm going to give you six ways to dramatically reduce selfishness. And last, I'm going to end with what the Bible describes as the benefits of a selfless life. This morning, we had a workout with nine guys from Heart of a Man, and we're working with this trainer who's teaching us a new method of training. And it was our second time with him, and uh, the trainer is really working on us, trying to help us see that if I can get your core strong, like, and not just your belly, but your glutes and your, you know, what all these things are down in here, right? Like, I don't know the names, but there's QLs and RL. He's got all these names. I don't know them, but he's like, get all this stuff in here tight and then figure out what's not and what's out of balance and what's hurting when you're working on that. And when we get all that sorted out, we can start to build a strong body from there. And that was really cool. The first week, I didn't get that, and I came in with a lot of anxiety and fear because I just wanted to keep up with everybody, and I was worried I couldn't. But today when I got in there, after I experienced the first day with him, I was like, he genuinely wants me to see where I have deficits. And he genuinely will work with each of us individually at the same time while we're all working together to help me work on my specific deficit so I can get stronger. And that gave me a ton of excitement. I honestly, I walked in today and I was just full of energy because I'm like, he's going to help me where I need help. And I was excited about that. So tonight we have an opportunity to explore the selfish side of who we are. And what I'm hoping you'll do is look at it through that lens. Instead of thinking, oh, you got to be kidding. I mean, I'm not selfish. Why do we got to go here? I don't want to feel bad about myself. I feel bad if instead of going there, go with me to, I want to be curious. I want to see where I can grow. I want to be excited about where I'm going to go. I know God's going to show me something, and I'm excited to see how he speaks to me personally. And know that a small change in this area will actually have a huge impact in your life. It doesn't take a lot for God to move here for you to see significant growth. So I'm hoping that's the spirit you look at this through rather than this guilt, shame, and depressed, anxious, guilty kind of mode. So stay out of that if you can and stay excited about God helping you see something in yourself that you can grow in and be excited that when that changes, you are gonna be really different. So let's get started. What's the Bible say? Philippians 2 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Psalm 119 says, Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards my selfish gain. And Jesus said in Mark 8, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves 
and take up their cross and follow me. God does not want us to be consumed with ourselves, guys. He makes that really clear. I mean, words that say do nothing out of selfish ambition, you're like, what? Nothing? Like, I just want to eat Cheerios this morning. Like, there's no one here else but me. I just want to have Cheerios. He's like, nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing. That's a strong bar. That's a high bar for us, guys. But he's like, at that bar, incredible results happen. Don't water it down. Don't bring the bar down. Stay up at that bar. The truth, though, is we're consumed by the thoughts of ourselves every day. Research shows this. 75 to 98% of our conversations with other people and ourselves are about ourselves. Isn't that shocking? At least 75% of your conversations with other people and with yourself are about yourself. And yet we hate being called selfish. <laughs> we rationalize it away. We're like, I'm not selfish. I was doing that all the time. I'm not selfish. I give tons of money away. And God's like, yeah, you're hiding behind that. Yeah, you do give some money away. But you're still selfish when we pinch you in just the right way. And then we cover it up with well-meaning behavior, don't we? I tithe at church. I'm generous, God. And he's like, yeah, yep. But I hide from that. That's where I hide. I honestly thought I was generous with money, you guys. I never saw that as a problem in my life. But all God did had to do was make the numbers big enough and hiding behind my tithe no longer was real. You know, what's interesting about the word selfish, self-ish. Listen to these words, small-ish, brown-ish, or quiet-ish. They're all scaled-down versions of small, brown, and quiet. That word, that modifier, ish, scales down a characteristic. So we say self-ish. I'm just a little selfish. Isn't that ironic? The very word to describe what God says is probably the single greatest thing that divides you from me is selfishness. And we use a word that's self-ish when it ought to be self-consumed. Here's a few consequences of our thoughts being about simply us all the time. First, we move away from God. When we're thinking about ourselves all the time, there's no room in your head for God because you're thinking about you. You pray less, you read your Bible less because you're thinking about you. And results are the same way. I'm a results guy. I'm consumed by results. I'm constantly looking at results, results, results. And when I'm not getting results, I'm frustrated. I get angry. I get, fr I, get, I get mad. And when I get results, I'm happy. I'm proud. Neither of those places have space for God. They move me away from God. And I'm a dreamer. I love to live in the future. I love my visions and my dreams. And I love casting those out there and sharing with people. But you know what that does? Pushes thoughts of what God's purpose and his promises are in my life for my goofy dreams. Focusing on myself moves God away from me, not towards me. Second, people move away from us when we're selfish. People move away from you when you're selfish. When you're trying to look good around people, when you're bragging and you're talking about your wins, it makes the guy next to you not feel good. He doesn't. They don't feel good when you're doing that. They're like, this guy's all full of himself, man. He doesn't care about me. When you get on social media and you see other people's stuff all there and they all look great, you're not drawn to those people. You pull away from those people. Your stories of your greatness and not listening to other people and not caring about what they're thinking makes them step away from you, which ultimately results in you being lonely. 
Who do the loneliest people think about the most? Themselves. The loneliest people think about themselves more than anyone else. That's why they're lonely. Third, people feel disconnected and unloved when you're selfish. So when you step into somebody's space and you're not talking about them, you're not listening to them, you're not caring for them, you're not exploring their needs and understanding what they need and helping them, they feel that. And they feel left out, disconnected, alone, lost, hurt. You get selfish and you leave people standing there needing you, yet you're not there because all you want is something for you. You're just telling them about all your woes. And they're thinking, man, you have no idea what I'm going through. And so they get left alone and hurting with nobody to care for them. Fourth, our culture becomes selfish when you're selfish. Your culture becomes that way. The culture around you that way. Media drives selfishness, does it not? Can you not find a commercial that says, have you ever seen a commercial that says, you need to serve your brother today? Think about how to give something good to another man today. Go care for a child in your school this week. You never see commercials like that, right? They're always trying to get you to buy something in the hopes that you'll feel better about yourself. Media drives selfishness. The culture thrives on media, and it's all about self. Our families learn to put themselves first because we as husbands and fathers put ourselves first. When we're selfish, our family's selfish. We teach them to be selfish. When they see me getting what I need, they think, oh, that's how it works in our family. I got to get what I need without you. Selfishness gets propagated in the culture. Shelfers, Christians also don't share Jesus with people. They don't. We don't, guys. We think we do, and we say things like, let my deed speak for me. And you're like, really? Show me a good deed you've done sometime recently, and you'd be shocked. There's not many. So the good deed you think you show, there's not many to look at. And the words you share about Jesus, they're far and few between. So Christians that don't do good deeds and don't share words about Jesus are actually quite selfish. And so people that think they're going to learn change the culture because they're there, but they don't share and they don't care, don't do anything but serve the devil. They don't serve Jesus. So the culture's not being changed. It's being the same it was when the devil was there. Christians that don't share and that are selfish actually create a culture that looks more like the devil than it does Jesus. And the last thing we see with men when we're self-consumed is that our health deteriorates. There's lots of studies showing this, guys, that selfish behavior leads to massively unhealthy behavior. We become lonely and depressed. We gain weight. We have high blood pressure and diabetes. We use alcohol, drugs, medication, and porn to manage our pains. And a lot of men, unfortunately, allow all of that to lead them to suicide. Guys, this stuff can be overwhelming, and I know it was, but stay with me, right? Let's look for the opportunities and see in here where God's speaking to you. Let him speak to you right now. Don't push it away. Let there be some pain. Look for where he's trying to get you to grow. I found a book by A.W. Tozer called In Pursuit of the Divine. And in there, he describes five ways selfish behavior can be seen. So I'm going to give you five more ways to look at this, hopefully to help you see in yourself what it is. So I'm going to use I words to help it personalize it. So I'm going to say I, so you'll personalize it. And then some questions that will help you ask, is this me? Am I selfish in this space? Is this one of my areas where I have a deficit? And so explore this. You may not have any of these. You may have all of these. It's okay. This is what we're going to do. Explore. Here's the first one. I want to be right. 
I know how to be right. I'm the smartest guy in the room. In fact, I know I'm right. I can be right without God because I'm smart. I criticize other people because they're just plain stupid and they can't see what I see. I believe in my ideas and I certainly don't need the Bible to explain it to me. I know what I'm doing. Does that sound like you? I need to be right. This is a sign of selfishness. So here's the questions. How often do I criticize other people? How often do I feel I'm the only one who is right? How often do I read the Bible to challenge my own thinking? Selfish men think they're right. I want to be great. I try to prove to others how good I am. I like to describe myself. I like them to see my victories. I want to be seen and known as great. I want to look good. I want to sound good. I want them to like me. The opinions of others are really important to me. And I'll actually hurt people that are close to me so that I can look good because I know the people close to me will forgive me. So how often is recognition driving your behavior? How much does what people think drive your decisions? Selfish men want others to say, you're great. I want my dreams to come true. I'm a dreamer. I think I can achieve or attain things. I cannot, and I think about this stuff all the time. I dream about stuff, but I never do anything with the dreams. I just dream all the time. I fantasize about these relationships with women and men and friends, and they're people that aren't in reality ever going to be close to me. They're just fantasies I have, and I'm living in a world that's not reality. How often do dreams lead your life rather than faith in God's promises? How much time do you spend telling people about your dreams and your visions and these great things that you think you're going to have and these relationships you've envisioned that you're going to be in? Selfish men live in fantasies. Fourth, I want to be my own source of confidence. I own this space. This is mine. My performance and my results are where I get my confidence. When I win, that's me. I was on me and I'm confident and I feel good when I lose, I'm devastated. I can't handle losing. I can't handle criticism. I can't handle the feedback. I get pained by failure. So I work 10 times harder than everyone else because I want to get results. What gives you confidence? What tears you down when you fail? Selfish men get their confidence from the results. And lastly, I want to follow my feelings. I hate to say this, but I really feel like this is a caramel thing. Um, it, it, I've been around here for eight years now, and I've just been amazed how much we like to pursue pleasure in this town. I want to follow my feelings. Why? Because pursuing pleasure and comfort make me feel good. They take away my fears and my anxieties. I love playtime. And I spend most of my thoughts on about how to get out for recess and to play more. I love fishing and racquetball and pickleball and I love boating and I love all my time on the golf course and I can't wait to spend more time uh, with all my friends playing games and drinking and partying and having parties at my house. Oh, I just love all of that. And then we disguise it with, oh, I need downtime. I'm exhausted. This is a me time. I'm worn out. I need 10 weeks of vacation. Yeah, it's critical. Your feelings actually get in the way of helping me. Your feelings get in the way of me because 
it doesn't make me feel good, so I don't want to listen to you. And I don't, because your bad negative mojo doesn't make me feel good, so I move away from you. I do very little help anyone other than me because I just love playtime. I believe my own feelings are far more important than any words I hear from God or promises of God. How much time do you spend at recess? How much do you talk compared to how much you listen? What leads you the most, the Bible or your feelings? Selfish men are consumed with feeling good and playtime. So hopefully these five areas and the other areas we talked about will give you some insights and you're starting to write some notes. You're starting to say, yeah, that one's clicking for me. I'm feeling that. So now let's make a turn. Let's jump into where we move away from these. I think you'll like these. First, seek God's input through prayer and other people. Seek God's input. Ask God to help you see your selfish heart. It's not hard. I prayed one simple prayer, ask me to see something new, God. And he's like, oh, okay, that's easy. And he showed me something right away. I didn't like that. So you don't have to ask for much. He'll let you see it. Ask him. And then come to this Bible study and look for truth about yourself as God reveals it. Every week we ask hard questions. Some of you guys avoid them. Stop avoiding them. Spend time answering the question and don't hide behind your answer when it's fluffy and fake. Just because you want to impress the guys in your room. I see it. I got it. We all know the fake answer. Get away from your fake answer and write an answer that's really you. Let us see the real you. When God sends people to help you, ask what they see and listen to what they tell you. He will send guys here. There's a lot of them here. <laughs> These are pretty smart guys in this room. And if you ask some of them what they see in you, you might get some really good feedback. And it helps. It helps. Do You know when you do a push-up? You got to keep your tummy tight. When you bow your butt up or you arch your back down, that's not a good push-up. You're going to put a lot of strain on your shoulders. I didn't know that until Paul came over and said, Bill, tighten your tummy up. Get your butt down. <laughs> tighten your tummy. And he watched me do push-ups. I said, that looks nice. Straight, tight. You look good. And man, when I got done, you know what hurt more than my shoulders and my push-ups? My tummy. How did I learn that? I had to have somebody look at me and say, you're doing a push-up wrong. Yeah, but I can do 90 of them. Okay, great, but they're all wrong. So now you've ripped up your rotator cuffs. Great job, moron, right? So, yeah, you need somebody to look at you and tell you what they see, listen to what they say, and make the change. It helps, guys, and if you're selfish, why not hear that? You're a Christian. You want to follow Jesus. He doesn't want you that way, so take the feedback and change. And start to recognize the vast number of excuses you make for your selfishness. And guys, they are deep. Just start tracking. Literally make note of your selfish behavior and the excuses you make up for it. You will be shocked at what you see. There's a lot. Second, practice humility even when you don't feel it. Here's one way to do it. Practice at night recalling your wins every single night. Not your failures, your wins. Most of us go home and we lament on where we failed, and we don't even think about where we won, where we did well. Why? Because we don't even think about giving God credit there. So stop doing that. Stop robbing of his glory. Think about your win, and then thank God out loud at your house by yourself. Speak words that you can hear audibly and thank God for the win. When you get recognized by somebody for a win, 
Stop making the fake comments about God and it's all him and all that. Stop it. Just stop. That's all fake, all phony. We know Dion doesn't mean that. We know we got it. It's just all part of the show. We don't need to do a show, guys. When somebody gives you a compliment, say thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means something. I needed that. And then go give God glory privately and tell him thank you for the win. And this one's more important. Spend time serving other people instead of serving yourself. It humiliates you. It humbles you. I'm telling you, sticking your hand in a dirty toilet that you have to change is disgusting. It's awful. Climbing on the floor full of gross crap of somebody's house to fix a hole in their wall is humiliating. And it's good for you. So start serving other people. You need to get humble, and that's a way to do it. All right, third, acknowledge your flaws. Confess your selfish actions each day, right? So don't look for your losses. Look for your selfish actions when you go home. God, where was I selfish today? Where was I selfish today? Help me see that. Argument with your wife. Why do we have to have chicken again? And then you get into a big battle. Where was I selfish, God? Look for those, confess those to God. Confess your selfish behaviors to your brothers. So at the end of the week, you should have a journal that has a nice list of all your selfishness that week. Meet with your brothers, have a breakfast, and say, I got to air this out, guys. Here's all the places where I was selfish this week. And share it. Put it right out there. That helps them start to see you in the real light of who you are, and then you can ask them for forgiveness because you probably hurt one of them along the way. And lastly, accept God's mercy for your failure. Accept his mercy for your failure. When you fail and you confess, God says you're forgiven. So accept that. Fourth, give the Holy Spirit control over you. How do you do that? Believe you need help. You can't fix selfishness on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is self-control. You can't get self-control in this space without the Holy Spirit. You have to recognize that. You have to say to yourself, God, I can't fix selfishness in me without you. Thank you very much. That's true. Here, here's the Holy Spirit. Look at that and memorize Galatians 5 to remind you of that truth. Memorize Galatians 5 to remind you you need the Holy Spirit and what it looks like. Then learn to recognize where you're out of control. You lack control when you're selfish. Self-control is the Holy Spirit's way of helping you get control over your lack of control and selfishness. Recognize where you are. Here's how you start to recognize. Study your calendar to see how much time you spend on you. Just do it. Study your calendar some week. Just take a morning, one hour, and look through your calendar and literally circle in right times. Make a little inventory, two hours, three hours, five hours, two hours, three hours, five hours, and add it all up and then say, how much time did I spend on somebody else? And add that up. It will be shocking how much is you and how much is somebody else. You will blow your mind. You'll be like, okay, that's a big difference. And it is. It's a shocking difference. Study your calendar. Study to see how much time you give to other people compared to what you spend on yourself. So how much do I spend on myself this week? What did I give away? That's number two. Number three, ask other people how you make them feel. Most guys have no idea how out of control you are with your words and your actions. You're out of control. Just ask the people around you, how do I make you feel? Anybody that's close to you, how do I make you feel? You'll be surprised at what you learn. This will give you some insights in whether you have control in this area. And then lastly, track how lonely you are. 
how lonely you are. Put hours on a sheet and find it and just write them down every day. How lonely did I feel today? One hour, 10 minutes, none at all. And track to see how lonely you feel. It's a really good indicator of how out of control you are in this space. And then lastly, process your emotions with other men to help you stop being a slave to your own feelings. This gives you control of your emotions. Process your feelings with another guy. So one of the guys tonight at about one o'clock, one of our leaders here sent me a text and he said, I'm, a, I'm spiraling into in oblivion here. I've got anxiety. I'm a mess. I'm completely devastated. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm a complete disaster right now. I'm like, whoa, that's not good. And so there was an exchange. There were guys on this, and there was this quick exchange, and we were all encouraging and doing all these things. And then about two hours later, he wrote back and said, you guys are never going to believe this. I got on my knees, and I spoke out loud everything that was causing me anxiety, and I prayed that God would take each one of them away. And as I got through the list, by the time I got to the list, I was falling asleep in my bed. I was so at peace at rest, and the anxiety's all gone. See, how we work together as a team, share your feelings with other guys so they don't get control over you, and you can learn control of them through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what God's talking about. Fifth, choose faith over dreams. Stop fantasizing about what you don't have. Be clear about what God has given you. Pray with faith for the things you need instead of what you want. Know and believe in God's purpose for your life and his promises instead of the fantasies and dreams that you chase. And eliminate social media from your life. Get rid of it. I'm, I'm serious. Stop. Just turn it off. You don't need it. There's absolutely no reason for it in your life. It makes you selfish. It makes you selfish. Social media makes you selfish. Turn it off. This is the one, this is the one I love the most. Listen to this. Get insanely focused on storing up treasure in heaven. Why? Jesus said in Matthew 6, listen. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus commands us to be selfish in one area, laying up treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We get to be selfish about one thing, treasures in heaven. So let's get selfish about it, right? Like get jacked about it, get fired up. I want to be selfish, God, for treasures in heaven. Woohoo, Dude, man, so get selfish about that. That's what he's calling you to. Sixth, ask yourself this question. This is the thing you want to take away from this. Last season, we had this. When I feel critical to somebody, what should I say in my mind? Something positive. No. Where's the good? I appreciate it, Zach. Thank you. It was a good try. So last season we said, when I'm seeing, hearing my critical voice in my head, I need to ask myself, where's the good? Don't let that critical voice consume my thinking. Try to find the good in that person or in the moment. Critical thought, where's the good? Here it is. Selfish thought, I'm going to ask, what can I give? I'm having a selfish thought. I can feel it. I'm in a tussle with my wife. I don't want the chicken. I want steak. And my head's mad. I want steak, not chicken. And it's chicken, chicken, chicken all week. And I just want some stinking steak. And I can ask myself, what can I give? What can you give? Honestly, what can you give in that moment? How about a thank you for the chicken? I'm grateful for the meal. I appreciate you cooking for me. Give her some gratitude. You see where I'm going. Here are some things you can give. Time to listen. A hug, a compliment, 
help doing the work, a call to a friend, a prayer, a good question, patience, food, clothes, a place to sleep, or a smile. Think about where you are when you're selfish right in that moment. Sit tonight and go, okay, I heard all those things and I know I'm selfish. And I, and I got two or three I'm really clear on. Do this tonight. Make a list of what you can give when you feel that selfish urge coming on. You can do it. You can. I did it. I did it. I practiced all week. I did. This thing was punishing to me. This lesson pummeled me this week. So I'm like, I can't live in this pain, God. I am not that bad. And he's like, you're that bad. You are literally that bad. This list is long and it's extensive. So I'm like, okay, I got to get a win here. So I was practicing with my wife, but I didn't tell her because I didn't want to take the win by just getting saying the words, right? You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of you millennial guys, you think if you say it, you did it. That's not what goes on here. You got to do it. So when her shoulder was hurting, I walked in, her shoulder was hurting, and I thought, are you kidding? Not this again. And I wanted to say, take an SIU pill. Anyone know what that is? Suck it up. So... That is literally what went through my head. I'm like, can you please just suck it up and quit whining? You know, I'm getting tired of this. That's what was going in my head. And, and I heard that, and I said, that's selfish. Okay, what can I give? What can I give? What can I give? And you know what I gave her? A five-minute massage. I walked in one day. She was crying, and I thought, are you kidding me? Okay, I don't really want to sit here and deal with this. In fact, I really don't want to at all. She just needs to call her mom. <laughs> I did. I literally, that is what went through my head. Just call your mom. And I stopped and said, that, no, what can I give? What can I give? So I'm sitting there like, God, what can I give? What can I give? I got to tell these guys I did something right. <laughs> so I stopped. I sat down on the ottoman, and I stared at her. And I said, tell me what you're feeling. And she just, Bleh! I listened, and I listened some more, and I listened some more. I asked a couple good questions, which made it go longer. <laughs> and then when she finally finished, I gave her a hug. The win was this. I didn't ask for it to become sexual. Usually when I get there, I'm like, she's super frisky, and like, oh, that was great, and I didn't let it go there. I'm like, no, that's not why I'm doing this. Not, that was the win, you guys. Third. She came to me one afternoon and said, Kyle asked me to come babysit their two-year-old, and I'm nervous about lifting her because my shoulder's too screwed up, and I can't, you know, I just don't want to get her out of the crib and hurt my shoulder. And I thought, seriously? I got to write a lecture. You know that. I got a lesson for the next week. I got to prepare, and you're going to ask me to do that. There's no one else you could ask to get that help. You got to ask me to do that, knowing how busy I am. And then I said, don't say that. What can I give? What can I give? And what I gave up was my time. And you know what time I actually gave up? Was the time I was going to use to practice golf. I had rationalized in my head that I had all these Christian duties I needed to do. And she was wrong for asking me because I had stuff to do. It was big time. But it was actually practicing golf. And I got done, and I'm like, that was a huge win. Guys, I got to tell you, this was one of the best weeks of my life, bar none. I have not felt this good about my relationship with my wife in a long, long time. 
just to be honest. Something changed in me. Something changed, and it was because I could hear this voice say, what can you give, Bill? What can you give? And I dare to say I think this would work in every area of your life. This progress of being selfless has given me a ton of excitement and energy, and it's way different than the fitness buzz, you guys. Jesus said, when I die to myself, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. Dying to yourself, you actually get to be selfish. It's crazy. Kingdom stuff. Let me end with these thoughts about being selfless. Isaiah 58 says this. Listen to this carefully. This is one of my favorite Bible passages. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will give you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose water never fails. That's what the Bible says when you give of yourself. We will be healed from depression. We'll feel deeply valued. We will feel constantly like we're growing in our intimacy with Jesus. We'll get incredibly resilient and handle life's difficulties incredibly well. We'll be emotionally full, and we will become a source of life to people around us. That's what happens when you become selfless. This week, discover where you're selfish and ask, what can I give so you can become selfless? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for this time with these dear brothers. Lord, thank you for this lesson. It's changed me, and I pray it will help these dear brothers on our first night together. Lord, help us love each other well and use this time we have with each other for the next 11 weeks to practice being selfless with each other. Help us love each other in a different way and ask, what can I give to my brother who's standing in front of me? Help us do well at home with our families, with our work, Lord. Bless us, Jesus, with the power of your spirit. In your name I pray, amen. Guys, have a great night. It's great seeing you back.